This Day in Maine is made possible by listeners and by Eastern Basements, a division of Maine-owned Eastern Mold Remediation. Offering crawl space repairs and waterproofing, easternbasements.com. From Maine Public Radio and mainepublic.org, I'm Patty White with the news on This Day in Maine, Thursday, February 15th, 2024. Maine's Digital Equity Plan is the first in the U.S. to be accepted by the federal government. Its approval means that Maine will receive 12 to 14 million this spring to help with implementation. Brian Allenby of the Maine Connectivity Authority says the plan has eight priorities. A lot of what we're looking at is providing the skills to folks across the state to take full advantage of the internet, to ensure that devices, affordable, um, reliable devices are available so folks can use those devices to access the internet. Allen B. says philanthropic support will also be needed to fully implement the plan, which also includes expanding broadband infrastructure. He says there are 50 to 60,000 locations in Maine that don't have access to fast, reliable Internet. Maine State Police are defending their decision not to deploy search dogs on the night of the mass shooting in Lewiston, in part because they feared a potential ambush by the gunman. During testimony to a special commission, Police also recounted the challenge of managing the largest manhunt in state history. Kevin Miller reports. By the time police found Robert Card's Subaru at a Lisbon boat launch, they already knew that he had used an assault-style rifle to kill more than a dozen people in nearby Lewiston. They were also told that Card was a skilled marksman with the Army Reserve, who potentially had a night-vision scope on his rifle. Recounting that chaotic night on Thursday, Maine State Police Major Lucas Hare recalled how, decades earlier, a man in New Hampshire had ambushed several officers during a manhunt. That was my immediate thought was, this is an ambush of some nature. Hare said that incident and the conspicuous way Card left his vehicle were top of mind for him that night as he told police forming a perimeter around the site to hold back. I know that my decision and my request to, to have those officers not approach that car was not a popular one. Uh, Knowing what I know today, I would make that same decision. Police would later learn that Card apparently didn't have a night vision scope. And nearly two days would pass before a SWAT team eventually found his body about a mile down the road in the trailer of a recycling business where he formerly worked. What happened and didn't happen during that two-day period is a major focus of the Independent Commission investigating the worst mass shooting in Maine history. One question that has surfaced repeatedly since October 25th is why police didn't use tracking dogs to search for Card. Sergeant Gregory Roy, who commands the State Police Tactical Response Unit, recounted how the road to the boat launch was so choked with police cruisers when he arrived that he had to get out of his armed vehicle and clear a path. A lot of vehicles, a lot of people, which, you know, would be to be expected um, when a key piece of uh, information was located like there was in Lisbon. But Roy said the exhaust from those police cruisers, combined with the downward winds being created by a police helicopter hovering overhead, would have made a search with police dogs difficult. It was also likely three hours since Card had been there, which would further reduce any scent for the dogs to track. And then there was a threat that Card was potentially hiding in the woods nearby, armed with a rifle and the ability to see in the dark. So Roy said the decision was made to not send SWAT teams and canine trackers into the woods that night, much less allow the first canine units on the scene to do a search with even less equipment. The goal of a canine track is to find the individual, right? But you also have to be able to win the encounter. Um, and given the weaponry, given the technology that, that, that we at least uh, at this time believe the individual possessed, uh, that would be an unwinnable situation uh, for a, a canine team to be tracking uh, at night under white light. The commission's investigation is one of multiple reviews of the Lewiston shooting taking place in Maine and at the federal level. 
The U.S. Army is also investigating how reserve leaders responded to growing concerns about Card's paranoia, his aggressive behavior, and his access to guns. Maine State Police Colonel William Ross told the commission that they have conducted some internal reviews. But he said state police are also waiting for the commission's recommendations before undertaking any major changes. But we have talked extensively about what we did during those three days, what we could do better, and, um, and if it's something that was necessary to implement, we, we would have done that already. The commission plans to issue an interim report later this spring so lawmakers can consider potential policy changes before the legislature adjourns for the year in April. For Maine Public Radio News, I'm Kevin Miller. The city of South Portland says it's committed to managing one and a half feet of sea level rise by 2050, and it's preparing to manage up to three feet of sea level rise near the city's critical infrastructure. The city held a workshop earlier this week to describe its recovery efforts in the aftermath of the two January storms that hammered the coastline. Resident John Murphy says in the 40 years he's lived at Willard Beach, he's never seen a storm like the one that hit Maine on January 13th. Murphy says he was shocked to hear city officials describe planning for the possibility of a managed retreat along the coast. And he was one of many residents who urged South Portland to make climate adaptations more quickly. Are we willing to sit by and watch our neighborhood wash into the beach? And if we are, shame on us. City officials say most options are on the table, including revisiting a 40-year-old proposal to build a breakwater near Willard Beach that never got off the ground. A Biddeford boatyard has received federal recognition for its commitment to clean energy. Rummery's boatyard was awarded a $28,000 grant by the USDA's Rural Energy for America program for building a solar array. The boatyard also houses two electricity-focused startups. Maine Electric Boat develops electrical commercial vehicles, while Marine Solar Technologies offers solar-powered water monitoring buoys. Biddeford Mayor Martin Groman says he's happy to recognize these industry-leading initiatives. This is also especially interesting because of how it plugs into the whole marine electrification opportunity that the overall state of Maine has. So I'm obviously pretty proud as mayor to be able to say that Biddeford has a leadership role in that. The 19-kilowatt solar array will provide 93 percent of the boatyard's annual power consumption. And Sugarloaf Ski Resort is opening 12 new trails and a high-speed chairlift on West Mountain. The trails for beginning and intermediate skiers cover roughly 120 acres and will boost Sugarloaf's skiable area by 10 percent. The chairlift will increase Sugarloaf's uphill capacity by 2,400 skiers an hour. A grand opening is planned for Friday morning, and nine of the new trails will be open Sunday. The ski resort says it's the largest terrain expansion in the Northeast since the 70s. And that's today's main news. For more stories, visit mainpublic.org. Coming up on Maine Calling at 11 tomorrow morning, the backlash over diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. I'm Patty White. Thanks for listening.